Thursday Theology, thanks for joining us. Um, we've got some late night podcasting for you coming right up. Dude, so you preached a double and preached a double and you did a kid's thing. It was thing. a heavy day. Yeah. Heavy day. We were preaching on excommunication this morning. So that was a lot of emotional energy. Man, really? Wow. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 5, going through Corinthians. So unavoidable. Yeah. Okay. So no one's getting excommunicated. No. Okay, well, that's no, good. No, no. That would be too much. Yeah. Um, the, that is good. That's one of the good things about expository preaching. You get to hit those subjects when you don't have to do them. Yeah, one time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's truly refreshing. So you can like you, you can hit that sermon on giving. Mm, yeah. And, your, and people you know, know with, it's, it's not like manipulative. It's like, yeah. look, this chapter comes after the one before this, you know. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Um, it is good because, like, you just you would avoid certain topics. You would not preach on certain texts, you know. Mm, mm, totally. <clears throat> like, what was the one? I'm going through Luke's gospel and, you know, preached on the bit about marriage and divorce, mm-hmm. you know, which comes in the middle of nowhere. Like, you think, what on earth is that doing there? Mm-hmm. And actually, you would never, if you were just asked to pick a text, mm-hmm. there's no way you'd pick that one, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Like nobody picks that one unless you were preaching a sermon on marriage and divorce, which you wouldn't because you know it's difficult. So, yeah. like, expository preaching is just necessary. Convinced yeah. of it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I've had so many situations like that where you're just like, wow, you know, never in a million years would have touched this passage. You know, you can tell yourself no. that you'd be disciplined, but you just wouldn't have gone there. And you're, and you know, you will. Lo- I mean, often those ones, the the toughest little bits, are, are end up being the tastiest. You know, in the sense that they just yield amazing things um, that you're so thankful for for looking at. You know, yeah, and you and you end up learning a lot about the Bible because it really challenges you to think it through. You know, mm. and often you find little connections to other parts of the Bible. So, like, yeah, I, yeah, they, the hardest bits are worthwhile, definitely. Mm. Um, so you preach that in the morning, then you preach another one in the evening. Yeah. So the the morning one was one Corinthians five on church discipline, basically, mm. and then um, the the evening one going through Luke's gospel, and it was uh, sort of the bit where it's sin faith duty it's it's like three random teachings that have been lumped together they have no idea what to do with them so the heading is sin faith duties luke 17 mm-hmm. 1 to 10 mm-hmm. and so it talks about needing to forgive others and not put stumbling blocks in the way so this is quite it's interesting because it is kind of connected to what we we're talking about uh, before because mm. <clears throat> um it is to that question about actually what does it mean to do a stumbling block? So, so one of my points in the morning, mm. um, when we we're talking about uh, excommunication, I was like, "Well, look, what, the thing about it is, it's got to be, it's got to be blatant, it's got to be unrepentant, and it's got to be sin. So you can't excommunicate people for like personal opinion things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or like Christian conscience things. So you might think, for example, that it's wrong for Christians to." drink alcohol mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. but that's not a sin thing mm-hmm. you know the bible doesn't call it sin so you can't excommunicate someone for drinking mm. if um 
just because you think that's what Christians shouldn't do. It mm-hmm. has to actually be sin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, it's got to be unrepentant because at any point someone repents, there's no need for church discipline. So mm-hmm. there's... Um, uh, I made that point in the evening. Someone from the church came up to me and said, that's really bold. You're saying that people can, can drink and stuff because I hope that that doesn't come back to haunt you because you've put a stumbling block in front of someone. Mm. Like mm. you telling people that they can drink, that drinking's not a sin. Mm. And then they go off and they do drink and mm. then they get locked into some alcoholic spiral. <laughs> you know, he's basically saying, and I think he was being genuine. He wasn't having a go. He's just mm. saying, I hope mm. that doesn't come back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. And so you, you realize at that point, well, that's not, in my, in my view, not mm-hmm. what it means to to put a stumbling block before someone. Right. Because if you did that, then where would you where would you possibly draw the line? Yeah. Like, you know, if I said to you, it's not a sin to watch TV, mm-hmm. and then someone goes and and says, okay, cool. Now, pastor says it's not a sin to watch TV. I'm going to watch TV, and they end up watching porn on their TV. Yeah. Is that me putting a stumbling block in front of them? Like yeah. surely, surely they're going to have some responsibility. They mm-hmm. could have watched, I don't know, the Nature Channel. You know, they <laughs> right. could watch something else. Yeah. yeah, and that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not necessarily my leading them on. I mean, and we, like, what if I said um, you could you you could literally do that with anything? Yeah. So I think actually putting a stumbling block in front of someone is more about leading them into an actual sin. So mm. if somebody sees me sinning, they think it's okay to sin. Mm. Then I've literally, I'm tempting them into, into, into sin. I'm laying the trap for them. Mm. Um, but if what I'm actually doing is not sinful, then mm. it's, not, it's not a temptation to sin. It's a temptation to do something that's not sinful. So yeah. you've got to have, you got to have, you got to think carefully about it. You've got to have some clear distinctions because um, otherwise you just end up, blaming everybody else for the stuff that you're doing or um or you're just putting massively unfair expectations on your church leaders yeah the thing is you know when people usually when i've come across people that will say hey you know you shouldn't have done that that's a stumbling block to me what they mean is i'm offended by that you know um which is not what it's about i mean you're like wow well you know that's totally irrelevant you know what i mean um yeah and, and yet but yet that's the common usage you know like in in evangelical language the stumbling mm-hmm. block thing is i'm offended you know yeah uh you've been a stumbling block to me and like of course if you have created a, an, a you know a sinful offense that that, that might be a necessary thing to deal with on other categories you know and, and with mm-hmm. other texts but but, um, you know, in terms of like, usually the thing is like often it'll be, uh, let's say you've, um, you know, it'll, if someone uh, sees you, just to use your example, um, you know, drinking a beer or something, uh, maybe at a restaurant, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and then they'll say, hey, you were a stumbling block to me. Um, usually that's coming from a guy who decidedly does not drink, you know, mm-hmm. and, and there was mm-hmm. no temptation at all for him to to drink you know so you have not only not let him in in, into any sin you know you've just done you're not even in the category that paul's talking about them and then people always forget the the real thing going on there and this is where you know it's almost like the the argument circles back in because i do find it's very very relevant in surprising ways in ways i i feel like i constantly have to watch out for this um uh we've got a group at uh at our church so everyone kind of you know all the guys hang out 
every once in a while smoking cigars and um and so it's like a really awesome little thing you know it sort of started up you know mm-hmm. it wasn't me that started it which you know it's just sort of a spontaneous thing that you know grew out of the guys as they hung out hung out and um did that anyway and so just turned it into a thing so you know but there what you have is something i think a potential situation a lot closer to what paul was talking about in that if someone felt that they wanted to like let's say they wanted to hang out with those guys right but they yep. they didn't feel that they could smoke. It was against their conscience, for right or wrong. Yeah. It was just what they felt. And they felt that they had to betray conscience. It's not even that they were tempted or lured to the idea of smoking, but they, they didn't want to be the weaker brethren, you know? So yeah. they had yeah, to betray so. themselves yeah. to hang out with the so-called stronger brethren and in so doing, sin against their own conscience. In, in, mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. instance, you know, there's a, there's no one hits on that angle, you know, but that's a yeah. that's something that I think is very relevant, and we need to be as a church. So that group and and uh, you know myself, I mean, this is you know I'm in that group, and you know th- th- that's the kind of thing that we need to be be watching for, and I need to be watching for. I like I would never want to give anyone the impression that you know they need to. I remember tattoos were a thing as well, like the, in order for mm-hmm. me to be. You know, yeah. uh, part of this group, I need to get a tattoo, even if they didn't want one or something. You know, uh, yeah. th- you've got to be very it's careful. Against... You needed to do it to be fitting in, to yeah. be accepted. And then you see Paul's strong rebuke. You know, um, yeah. oh, you who think you are strong, you know, just come and listen to me for a while and be cut down to size. Mm-hmm. You know, and then mm-hmm. um, and 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 yeah, and then and then the whole text just falls into line in terms of what how it applies. You know, but it I, mm-hmm. and I don't mind being very open to that level of, of rebuke. I, I just prefer it to the the one thing I don't think Paul allows for and what you shouldn't stand for is where, you know, the so-called weaker brother holds someone hostage to yeah. to their own preferences. Okay, yeah. it offends me that you wear brown shoes. Exactly. Could you not do that? Yeah. And yeah. you know what? I'm bringing out the brown shoes that day. Once though, like yeah. deliberately, deliberately, just because I know, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it was like Don Carson said, you know, mm-hmm. um, if there's somebody who is genuinely they know has a weakness for alcohol and could be tempted to fall into a trap, mm. you're perfectly happy not to not to drink any wine that evening. If mm. somebody thinks that he shouldn't drink wine, he orders the Chardonnay. Mm. You know, because yeah. on the one hand he's fighting for for the Christian freedom of conscience. On the other hand, he's choosing to use his freedom lovingly for his mm. brother. And I think both those principles are taught in Scripture. Mm. And you, it just depends on on the situation. Mm. Even then, do you think that? the passage in Corinthians about the weaker and the stronger brother. I mean, I haven't got there yet, so I haven't looked at it in huge detail. Um, uh, do you think that's about conscience or do you think that's about actual sin? Well, I just think it's about, it's about those who, yeah, I do think it's about conscience um, because, but the sin, the, 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 you see the, the weird play there is that if you sin against your conscience, it is actual sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. that's where it overlaps. And so the, that's what Paul's concerned with. He's saying, like, like, you know, have you not realized this? Everyone stands and falls before their own master. You know, you've got this, you've got this thing that you have to deal with. And and so even though they, the one person might be right about the food offered to idols and the other one might be mm-hmm. wrong, you know, it doesn't matter at that level because you're still asking that person to, to be the cool Christian, uh, you know, because to, to, he just wants to stop getting mocked, you know? He just doesn't want to be mm. mocked as the weaker brother anymore. 
So eventually he starts eating meat off of the idols and hanging out with you at your things, you know. And um, in the process is really sinning against his own Lord. Um, yeah. Because he doesn't believe it, it's so right. I mean, some people have really strange issues of conscience. Yeah. Yeah, that's so a good point. At, yeah. what, at what point do you, do you challenge and just say, listen, it's not healthy that, you know, like yeah, yeah. it actually seems like you're binding yourself to something that is just not only not commanded in scripture, yeah. but is not even remotely near to any issue in scripture. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so I've, I, there's some really bizarre stuff I've come across. Like mm. I, I jokingly referred to the brown shoe thing. Mm -hmm. That's actually a real example. Wow. Like someone actually wow. said that, <laughs> not to me, but mm. to another pastor I know. Mm. And, um, they had a thing about how it was only appropriate to wear black shoes to church. Mm. Now, if everybody else is saying, Hey man, that's silly. Mm. I, I don't think that that's unfair. Mm -hmm. There's no possible way that your conscience can be in any way being informed by God's word. If you're concerned about the color of someone's shoes. Yeah, totally. Well, okay. I mean, just put, yeah, go for it. So, so my question is like, even then, if someone feels like they're sinning mm -hmm. against the Lord by putting on brown shoes, mm -hmm. there's something very, very dangerously wrong there. Like yeah. I don't know, like so. So there, even there, there are there are some limits that I want to push a little bit and mm -hmm. say, um, just because you feel like it's important doesn't mean necessary is a, a full blown. I think the kind of things that come around in matters of conscience are significant issues mm -hmm. that just don't have a clear yes or no in the Bible. And mm -hmm. so every Christian has to work it out for themselves. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that isn't referenced in the Bible, I don't think it can really be claimed as a matter of conscience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think with those situations you've got, and I think Paul does give a helpful paradigm in that you're, you're basically firstly asking the question, like you just quoted, you just uh, referred to a guy who's giving other people trouble, you know, um, right. as yeah. a result of his, conscience issue like when, as soon as someone's in that bracket and they don't have mm -hmm. biblical grounds to stand on it's the past yeah. the chardonnay issue you know just uh yeah. yeah i'm i'm wearing brown shoes and i think that's how paul deals with it it's the circumcision thing it's whatever um mm -hmm. and so um you know there's that and then as soon as you're you're only in another bucket you know uh, or a different category when everyone else is wearing black shoes and thinks it's a you know, um, you know, or, or you know, and, and this guy is struggling with the same problem, but he wants, he's sinning, he's not giving other people trouble. He's sinning, mm -hmm. even though it's the stupidest thing. He's, you know, he feels like, hey, you know, it's just so disrespectful, you know, to wear brown shoes or whatever, but I'm going to do it just to, you know, get in with, to, to have fellowship, yeah, and stop being mocked, you know. And, and that's also another sort of element of this whole thing in that the other people would be giving him trouble for not, you know, uh, wearing their color shoes, you know, just to keep this illustration really s silly. Um, but there you have a different category entirely in that, you know, th there isn't a real element of blame in that people are puffing themselves up over their brother, you know, mm -hmm. foreign elements of knowledge that perhaps they are correcting, you know, that, you know, it is a silly thing, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe we can get this illustration a bit clearer in that probably everyone else is wearing any kind of shoe to church mm -hmm. and this guy is getting mocked for only ever wearing his 
black shoes, you know? And, right, okay, um, yeah. and then, and then he's basically, you know, giving way and finally wearing some trainers or whatever it is to, to, to church. And, um, and then just to, just to stop the incessant mocking, uh, in terms of his weakness. Uh, but in the process has not dealt with it in his conscience. Now with that, with that situation, um, even though it's, it retains the same amount of silliness, um, mm-hmm. immediately it feels like it's in a different category. And you can see that, uh, where Paul's going with that is, is just going, listen, there might be a pastoral case to be made as to help this guy realize she's really got nothing to do with God's commanded him or there's no need for him to be tied Mm -hmm. into that. But the issue is just simply to do with the way the church is approaching it. Uh, Mm -hmm. The way the people, you know, the stronger brothers are approaching it. Are they taking this guy on gently and showing him according to the word and helping his conscience? Or are they beating him into submission where he sort of has to jump through this hoop and in the process sin against his his own conscience? And so I think at that level, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's just, it's always helpful. It's just, you basically are, you're meeting someone, are they giving you trouble? Are they causing dissension amongst, you know, for, as a result of their conscience? Well, if so, you know, uh, no mercy. <laughs> if, um, if there is um, someone who's really struggling, yeah, you just immediately want to put that check on yourself going, okay, am I butchering this guy into, into mm-hmm. you know, my mm-hmm. so-called strength? Or, you know, do I need to do I need to, uh, even if I'm right and he's wrong, help him gently, you know, as Paul would have done, you know, and there you got that whole Christ-like spirit and the gospel thing going on. Um, and so I think that's what he's doing. So I don't know if that helps. It does help. I just wonder if actually, because, I mean, what's Paul got in mind when he's talking about that? He's talking about the stronger brother as being the one who's, whose conscience has been liberated by the gospel. Mm-hmm away from the ceremonial aspects of the law, yeah. right? Yeah. So the stronger brother is the guy who's been released from Jewish custom. And even superstition. And um, and even superstition. Yeah, but yeah. It's, but in, first and foremost in his mind, it's stuff to do with unclean foods, right? And also just the, 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 you know, the theological reality of demons involved in all of those. So it's, it's almost like they have a higher level of knowledge in truth, you know? Um, yeah, which, sure. which Paul speaks of in a kind of almost sarcastic way. Uh, when he when he rebukes them, but it's kind of true, you know, that they are yeah. dealing with. He acknowledges that. Well, yeah, but it's it, they're stronger because, yeah, they have a greater understanding of mm. their freedom in Christ, basically. Yes. yes. Right. Right. And they and they are acting according to the weaker brothers are still bound by, still bound by ceremonial laws. They have a poorer understanding of right. their freedom right. in Christ, so and they, so they, they are still. Ignorance at some level, you know, I think, and yeah, again, totally. those are words that he uses, yeah. So, um, so in Paul's mind is, is a legitimate thing about the law of God and its implications for the Christian life, mm-hmm. okay? So, I just think that that is a fair enough conscience issue, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. for me, you know, the, the reason why we're able to have different views on the Sabbath Mm-hmm. But still converse, you know, brother to brother. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that in the Christian sense, not mm-hmm. not in the, from same the same mother, mother sense. Same mother. <laughs> um, you know, like the, the way that we're able to sustain that is because ultimately the application of the law to the Christian life is a conscience issue. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so like th- those are legitimate issues you know those are the real issues of actual christian liberty from the 
in terms of the application of the law. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I'm what I still slightly worry about is that when we talk about conscience, we talk about it or, or often when it's spoken about in regards to these sorts of issues, mm -hmm. it's spoken about in terms of much more trivial things or even right. things that are not, are not even mentioned in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So like the, and, and so we actually give them a credit, like as if conscience can decide whether or not something is, is is uh biblical or worthwhile right. you know right. like there, actually there is some level... determining the law yeah like it's 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 not actually uh, and i'm just wondering so i'm sort mm. of thinking out mm. loud here mm. but i'm just thinking actually when conscience is used in the bible it's not so much a conscience determining the law mm. but in, t in terms of your understanding of that you haven't grown in the gospel to the extent that you realize you're free from something mm -hmm. so in, in that sense you are disobeying god because you still believe god commands that of you mm -hmm. but if god has never commanded anything like that Ever, mm -hmm. then why, what on earth are you doing under under the law that has never been commanded? Well, you know, I suppose one thing I have in mind there is just, um, but no, I think that's a good point. But what I was just going to say is, um, you know, I think I could imagine in that situation with Paul, uh, or at least the first Corinthian uh, or the Corinthian situation is, um, you know, someone's recently been converted from paganism, you know, where the, mm -hmm. it's it's mm -hmm. really not to do with anything other than just some bizarre ideas that they have. Um, they're really thankful for their redemption in Christ. They're, you know, it's mm -hmm. day two, week two, whatever. And uh, they're still struggling with stuff like, dude, I used to worship demons down the road over there. You know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to do that, you know, and it's, it's almost like it's not even that sophisticated. You know, it's just kind of a, a plain old ignorance thing. And, you know, I don't think, and, and this is a good point that you're making, though, because I don't think Paul in any way through this whole speech um, gives anyone the license to stay in, you know, at, at that weaker brother phase, you know, which I think is the mm -hmm. other problem mm -hmm. sometimes. People go, oh, well, I'll just be the weaker brother then, you know, awesome. Yeah, totally. you know, I'll, I'll yeah. just hold other people ransom. But no, no, I mean, you know, Hebrews, of course, you know, you should be eating meat, you're drinking milk still, what's going on? Um, you need to grow, you need to grow into maturity, you need to, you know, come to a knowledge of the faith. And, and so I think there is genuine, like, there is a place for the pastor to come along and kind of smack the guy in the back of the head and go, hey, what are we doing over here? You know, don't you know? Don't yeah, you know yeah. that, uh, you know, Jesus died for these things? Come on, what's going on? But I think even there, just doing that is not a kind of bullying someone into sitting against their conscience, which is basically the bottom line. Um, but yeah, I think you make a good point also, you know, just to, just to always keep it in light of, you know, I mean, ultimately, you know, the, with this conscience thing, it, it gets grossly abused, you know, and yeah. And, and, and yeah, you do want to just pr preserve, even as a friend to friend level, you know, you want to yeah. preserve that right to just go, bro, what are you doing? Seriously. What are you even thinking? Yeah. About? Like, yeah. Um, you know, you want that. That's not a, but again, that's not a bullying thing that Paul has in mind to rebuke anyway. It's more just a, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 And no, that's it. I mean, it's just, I think there is, you know, it's this, you know, um, the famous, alleged Martin Luther speech, you know, hmm. um, actually, no, sorry. I wasn't thinking of the speech. It was another quote of his about something like, uh, you know, something to do with it's, uh, it's something to do with serving your conscience. And it's like conscience became really the, yeah, to this, betray, um, to betray conscience is neither safe nor why is that? Yeah. One? That's the one. Yeah. That, yeah, was, the the one. yeah. that was the speech. And yeah. so, so the conscience, um, 
the whole conscience thing in Protestantism became like super important, and it is. It's yeah. biblical. It is yeah. important, but it became almost like my conscience decides right yeah. and wrong. Oh, totally. Rather yeah. than the word of God decides right and wrong, my mm. conscience is bound to the word, which mm. is the Luther speech. Totally. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Right. And yeah. and I think. Um, yeah, my conscience is captive to the word of God. You know, here I stand, I can do no other. So help me God. So mm, mm. maybe he didn't say that, maybe he did. I don't know. The it's point a cool is, thing to say anyway. It's a cool thing, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you see, the whole issue there is that your a conscience that that's spoken about in reform terms or in biblical terms is a conscience that's captive to the word. Yeah. So if your conscience is captive to something that isn't in the word, that's mm. not actually in, within the framework of what I think Paul's talking about. Mm. He's talking about Christians whose consciences are captive to the word in ways that are incorrect. Mm. So as they grow in maturity of the gospel, they see that actually they're free from mm. certain mm. parts of the Mosaic covenant. Mm -hmm. Whereas, uh, or, or the like, word. yeah, totally. In yeah, general, it's just a word. Yeah. Covered, so yeah. if you're saying brown shoes, for example, mm. And yeah, well, the where Bible are you just doesn't cover it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like so yeah, at that level, you just want to be like, dude, knock it off. It's like, well, this is a separate thing. This is a, well, I thought the Bible was your authority. Yeah. Like, totally. what is your authority? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, that's my concern. And mm. so, when people are talking about you have to wear suits to church, blah, 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 you're just like, where are you getting this stuff from? Mm. Where, you know, like, where is this actually coming from? I love uh, once we had a debate, I was in India and, uh, the 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 Indian <laughs> pastors were so outraged by the way that I looked, yeah, that I could possibly be a pastor. It's, it's just how how on earth so we had to have a forum about it. And um, <laughs> I can and understand it to be honest. <laughs> they, they were uh, <laughs> the one guy. You know, he starts off. He's like, "Where's your uniform? You know, what, what is your? You know, why aren't you wearing your uniform as a pastor?" And I was like, "Okay, so." I mean, oh. like, what do you mean? Like, where do you get the uniform thing? I, I just honestly I was just trying to get at the bottom of his question. And he was like, well, I think it's clear, isn't it? I mean, a fireman wears a uniform. Police guy wears a uniform. You know, doctor has a, a, an apron. You know, pastor must wear a uniform. Where's your uniform? <laughs> and I was just I like, oh, man. My jeans are my uniform. It is. Like, are you knocking my jeans, bro? What's going on? You know? <laughs> What's happening? Converse, jeans, uh, button-up shirt. So, what, you, yeah, what else do you want? Dude, so funny. And at that level, it's, it's just kind of, yeah, it was just a, it was just quite an enlightening kind of process, you know, just to, just to peel that back a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, have you considered <laughs> that maybe, <laughs> that maybe the idea of wearing a suit is fairly recent, you know, <laughs> as a uniform, even for pastors, and that robes oh, are perhaps the more suitable uniform, you know, if we're going to yeah. go on the pharisaical model, you know, uh, maybe even a tassel or two. Um, oh man yeah no anyways so yeah I, you've got to it's it's an interesting thing you got to think clearly about it you got to knock it down because it's i know for me i would i would you know i say this often to the church um i err on the side of just just making sure those offenses are, are coming out you know so that we can deal mm -hmm. with them because I, I feel like to leave that kind of malicious hey i'm, I'm stumbling on this i'm stumbling on this in the church mm. is just it chokes the life out of the church you know i'd rather see someone but you can uh, hold anyone to ransom anyone to ransom anyone. it becomes a horrible environment to be in um so i'd rather mm. see those guys sort of flare up and leave you know and or, or just you know or at least work it out to the point that it's not a thing anymore um but uh, yeah just to just to i i you know, I, I think pastors that are very neat and safe probably avail themselves or uh, move into quite a dangerous zone on this. 
um, for whatever other dangers there might be in pastoral ministry, and there are, there is the danger of creating a kind of a, a safe haven for those who can, know mm-hmm. they can get away with this that sort of uh, mischief, you know, and yeah. um, and that that chokes the church out slowly. Whole yeah, thing. it's crazy. I know. Well, hey, let's draw this one to close. Getting getting on. It's like two in the morning for you, and you're starting to mumble. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if any of that even really. Just phone me in the morning. Just phone me in the morning. Why can't we do it in my morning time? Well, I think you're a better person late at night. <laughs> I don't like the morning you. I don't like that. That freaks me out. I just, I was unnerved by the whole experience. I think I'm a better morning person and you're a better evening person. <laughs> but Mike, me in the morning is the real me. <laughs> well, well, I don't like the real you. But I, um, I also know that me in the evening... Like you're doing very, very well. Like, dude, for me, you would think I had too many beers, but I don't. I just, my, my brain gets tired and I start, I just can't do it. I can't do anything. When I get tired, I'm a write-off. I'm an absolute, I just need to go to bed. That's all I, I can do. I do know that. So, no, I think this works. This works. <laughs> oh, I'm, okay. All righty. Cool. Well, thanks, bro. Thank you. Thank you.